0: Welcome to Engage Your Tribe, a podcast about the art and science of audience engagement. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest today is Joe Kohler, founder of Slot Right Marketing. Hello, Joe. It's great to have you on here.
1: Hey, how you doing? So, so before great to we be here. dive
0: into our conversation, I'm just going to do a little shameless plugging for my podcasting business. So, Engage Your Tribe is brought to you by Tribal Knowledge Podcasting. We are a full service B two B podcasting agency. And we help brands use podcasting as a fun and efficient way to have authentic conversations with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. And you can learn more about all of that cool stuff at TribKnowledge.com. Okay, now that that's over with, Joe, back to you. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your background in marketing, and about
1: SlotRite. Sure. Yeah, no, it's great. Well, first off, thanks for having me. It's it's great to be here. Big fan Thank of you. the pod, so appreciate it. Yeah. So, yeah, my background have been 20 years in digital marketing, I date back to doing advertising for some of the big uh, ad agencies. That's where I got my start. So, worked with like Grey Advertising, OMD, Shia Day, uh, Deep Focus, and did that for many years and then in 2010, I started my own ad agency. Uh, It was called Slot Right, actually, and uh, it was just myself. I grew that into a global firm of about 64 employees, did that for a number of years, and then that eventually merged into a technology company where I became a client and was the head of marketing and innovation for a client. Did that for a few years, and then I'm doing what I'm doing now, which is basically a being a marketing executive consultant, and that is under the same name as sort of mm-hmm. my agency prior. It's called slot it's called right marketing, but it's it's just myself this time around. And I work with brands and ad agencies and venture capital, working with them, you know, setting up everything from their marketing department to working on go-to-market strategies to helping launch products and uh, also helping clients and training staff. So really kind of the yeah. runs the gamut but kind of serving as sort of mm-hmm. like a fractional CMO for different brands or or agencies or okay. VCs.
0: Okay, so yeah, kind of that sounds really cool. So yeah. you get to work with all kinds of different people, different companies, different products and services. So so that sounds like fun. Yeah. So now when you when you go into a company, what are some of the most common questions that you get at the start? And and alongside that, what are some of the most kind of common assumptions that you see people making about marketing that you're like, no, that's not not how we do it.
1: Yeah. Probably the common question, a funny one, is usually depending on kind of the employee ladder, a lot of times it's sort of like, do We need <laughs> Joe. Why is right. Joe here? You know, there's sort of the kind of a fear usually of going on, but usually that subsides pretty quickly because most of the time, it's it's pretty known. Like, okay, we need some outside help. We need some help, kind of getting maybe either getting back on track or or at least maybe doing a launch, whatever it is. You know, getting their marketing set up. I think one of the the kind of main kind of common questions is, do we need to be mm, everywhere yeah. all at once? So that could be anything from you know your social media to. Just kind of, you know, do we need Mm -hmm. our own podcast? Do we need, I mean, really anything in kind of the content realm, I would say it's probably the biggest one is, you know, where do we need to be and do we need to be everywhere? And then I think the assumption is, of course, we do need to be everywhere and not really understanding that, you know, they need to have a better maybe grasp of Mm -hmm. their audience, maybe a a grasp of, of, you know, who that audience is and, and why. I think also grasp of the technology that's out there and understanding why they, you know, need to be on one thing over another. Uh, and then, what I always say is just mm. some patience. You know, kind of sitting back and looking at the at the marketplace and saying, "Okay, do we need to be everywhere? Probably not. Probably not. That's probably the yeah the wrong assumption. It's probably much yeah. more honed now." I right
0: will answer. say that the answer to the question, "Do we need a podcast?" is always yes, of course. I mean, there's 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 only one answer <laughs> of course, to that it has of to be yes. So, I mean, but okay, <laughs> so that that I I can understand that, right? That you if you don't know any better or just based on what's all around you you might think like well all you know linkedin twitter facebook all the things if we're not on there we're missing out right our comp- we see our competitors have those things right. so we need to get on there and so why is it maybe not a good idea to to get on there because the temptation is probably always right in front of you
1: yeah, the temptations there, especially with the c- competition, because once you see your competitors and they're making, even if they're yeah. not making great content, it's still that competitions there. But the the real reason to not be there is, is it, you know, I always ask the question to the clients, is it better to make great content on one channel or two channels or make mediocre mm-hmm. content on 50 channels? Mm-hmm. And most of the time the answer back is yeah you're right probably one or two channels sometimes you get like well but our audience is everywhere and that's also a good point but you're if, even if your audience is everywhere you don't want to give them bad content yeah <laughs> so you know it's it's uh, that's it's going to brand you pretty you know in a negative light so i always say go with one or two or even you know maybe up to three channels depending on what those channels are and really hone them and make them your yeah. own do a great job at it. I think the other issue is being thin on the brand or agency side with the amount of talent mm. to make that content. Mm-hmm. That's also tough. So, you know, you don't want to kind of, you know, thin yourself out to the point where again, you're making bad content just for the yeah. sake of making content. Yeah.
0: Okay. I mean, so, is there, is there such a thing as an audience that's literally everywhere, like on every single channel? I, I find it hard to imagine.
1: Yeah. It could be depending on the brand. I mean, you, you look at maybe like uh you know, well, I would say maybe brands that are like water brands. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose water. So. <laughs> you know, something like that. Or, yeah. But I mean, for the most part, you're obviously having crossover, right? There's the video game audience, but there's also a fashion brand audience. Well, you might have crossover sure. in those two categories. But again, again, one's going to be much more, say, like on Twitch, you know, you might want to be much more focused on that channel. Obviously, if you're a video game. Brand than say you know you're a gene company yeah perhaps perhaps you know yeah. might it might work out right the other way but usually it's like you know it's an endemic brand to an endemic right audience. I mean it and, and it all
0: does come back to the audience right I mean how wh- wh- what do you find there like when you go into a company that has to be one of the early discussions right like okay or part of the answer to the question is you've already said is well who is your audience you know how much of a grasp do the kind of companies you work with seem to have on that in two ways, both literally knowing who their audience is and just understanding why that matters?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think if it's a direct brand, it's, they usually Mm -hmm. have a pretty good grasp. I usually come in and layer in a little bit more of qualitative and quantitative research for them on that, because I think it's, it's highly important to get, as much as you can about your audience and then kind of building that out, that those personas out a little bit more in depth than usually what I see. I think for ad agencies, the problem for them that they face is they're dealing with a lot of different brands all at once. And so they have a lot of different audiences that they're kind of managing. And so, you know, a lot of the time agencies have to depend on the client to really understand their brand. And sometimes clients can be a little touchy, you know, they don't want you really to kind of say, Hey, I think I, we might know right. a little bit more about your audience. And so they, they get a little offended maybe. And so you have to delicately approach that. And, and that's something that I usually from an agency side kind of come in and, and help with pretty quickly because you do want to show those, as I like to say, those sure. chops that you have, you know, from an ad agency side that you're more than just developing content or making, you know, yeah. great creative or, or you're doing media planning and buying, but you're also able to showcase, you know, here's some back end research we can perform. And we're we're finding these little nuggets of information you might not be hitting. And that's going to mm-hmm. help our media as we, you know, build our... Yeah,
0: our right. You need that strategy part of it uh, on the back end. So now you've mentioned Correct. content of, uh, a couple times, right? And so the, the main message is yep. focus on the channels that matter most and then create great content. So speaking of which, great content. Y- y- you know, there's so much content out there. And I think one of the the common challenges that any company faces with marketing is just getting noticed, you know, cutting through the noise in your space. So from your point of view, you know, what's the difference between good content and great content?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think one of the things that we've been seeing a lot of, I would say over the past probably year to two years, you've been hearing a lot about content that needs to be authentic. And I think, you know, there's a really good reason of why we're seeing that. I mean, I think you're seeing influencers who are creating this beautiful content, but it's obviously very ad driven and seems fake and it is fake because it's ad driven. But even some of this authentic content, I think we've been looking at and perceiving as authentic. I think what's happened in 2022, I think what we're starting to see is there's a little bit of, this seems (laughs) inauthentic still. So I think what's happening with the authentic content that's kind of standing out is it's, kind of coming full circle and it's Mm -hmm. not as glossy anymore. It's a little bit more raw, a little bit more, you know, looking at something and saying, oh, there's a mistake that was made there. That's kind of interesting and cool that a brand doesn't care that much about Mm -hmm. that little mistake that was made or, you know, the actor hiccuped or something in the middle of something, you know, whatever it was that, that just kind of gave it a little bit more of a realistic tone. So I think that is kind of where the content that stands out obviously you have the the type of content you know your videos right. and versus kind of your static images and those kind of things but but even that kind of those have become mm-hmm. highly glossed sort of you know in their look and feel I think you know a majority of audiences are looking for a little bit more dare I say the same word authentic you know but actual like real wow, this looks like I know this person that that actually made this piece of content yeah funny.
0: that that whole discussion around authentic content is really interesting because there's a little bit of a, of a catch 22, maybe if I I think I'm using that phrase correctly, depending on what I'm about to say, but like on the one hand, something that's authentic is it's, it is authentic because it wasn't planned or, you know, or like it wasn't overly planned and, and, and it wasn't even like, we're going to make an authentic thing now like that, you know, it just sort of happens. Right. So how authentic can something be when the whole plan is like, we need content that's authentic. Doesn't that automatically render it sort of inauthentic at least a little bit? You know what I mean?
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's immediately inorganic. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You have a whole staff <laughs> trying to make a, a very organic video. Yeah,
0: it, it, but, <laughs> so, but, but, but on the yeah. other hand, I think the flip side of that is, you know, I'm on LinkedIn a lot and you see a lot of like, let's say videos that truly are authentic in so far as that means someone who's like driving and they mounted the camera on their car and they're just like, Hey, what I think today in this moment is blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Whoa, I don't want to watch this shit. Like this is so (laughs) in the moment that it's just like nonsense, you know, like it can go too far in that direction as well.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, it's almost the unfiltered is is not what you're looking for either. So it's yeah, there there is something to be said about probably those algorithms that give us our our content served up to us in a, in a way with maybe a little bit more filtered content yeah. as well. So I understand. I mean, it makes what sense. are your
0: thoughts on the entertainment value of content? Because that's a discussion I've been hearing a lot lately, and I wonder if things are moving a little bit in that direction either alongside authentic or maybe even overtaking authentic a little bit. Like personally for me, I'm like, I don't really care if something is necessarily authentic or like super raw or whatever. I care sure. if it's good. And by that, I mean, is it engaging? Like if it's a video, is it something cool to look at? Like, is it telling of a, a cool visual story that that's like drawing me in or if it's someone talking yeah. or a piece of writing, like, is it, does it have some showmanship? You know what I mean? Like, is it entertaining above and beyond just like, here's information you need to know. I, I'm thinking about that a lot more and more like, isn't that what we really need to really get people's attention?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it probably depends by the channel and I don't mean to be kind of, you know, taking that into a little bit of a different direction, but I mean, I think you look at something like TikTok and you see their kind of videos that come out. Someone does something, you know, and this has always been the case for any social network that gets some buzz. Someone, you know, makes something very interesting, engaging, and then it gets copied. Sure. And then it becomes viral that way. So there's, then everyone does it and then it becomes kind of a not so fun to watch anymore because you're like, okay, the millionth time I've seen someone, you know, throw their (laughs) shoe in the air and catch it and change their, you know, whatever it is. So I think, I think there's that. I think though, to your point, I think what you're seeing is, I mean, what I've noticed a lot and just kind of some research recently is there's a real, depending on the category. So, you know, for instance, I've been working in fashion a little bit in the past couple of years. You're seeing a real rise in, say, like the YouTube side of things where there's this longer form content that, you know, Mm -hmm. women are watching for hair or or watching for, you know, here are the the things I picked up at Target, you Mm -hmm. know, in, in this kind of stylized way. It's kind of an interesting, you know, kind of area that uh, I've been exploring lately. I'd also say, obviously, mm-hmm. for podcasts, right? I mean, you're seeing podcasts where there's really no, I would say, you know, fine, finite, you know, you should do a 20-minute podcast or you see, you know, some some yeah. podcasters doing three-hour podcasts. You know, it's like, as long as they're engaging, they have a great guest, you know, it's it's something that people are going to be, you know, obviously interested in. So, yeah, so there's a, there's kind of an interesting ebb and flow, I think, depending on the channel but yes, to your point on <laughs> it's, it's, engagement is the first thing. It has to be engaging. So from authentic to organic or inorganic or inauthentic, those things are probably like right after engagement. Is this yeah. something that And I think
0: watch? like in the B2C space, that's always been the case. And there's plenty of content out there that you're like, yeah, this is really engaging. Or, you know, I, I find myself very entertained by those Corona commercials with Snoop Dogg. I just think like anything, (laughs) I'm not even like a fan of rap. I don't even know his music out there. Well, I'm just like, that guy's just awesome. And whatever he's pitching or selling, (laughs) he just makes it fun to watch him. But in the the B2B world, though, I think that's much more rare, maybe even kind of non-existent that like you find content on a place like LinkedIn that's really like actually entertaining, you know, Or, or to the point that's. There's, there's plenty of stuff with creators. You're like, Oh, okay. That's kind of a good point. Or I might've learned something, but rarely do I come across something that I'm like, Whoa, like that's amazing. Like I must share that, you know, like I'm entertained or it made me laugh, you know, that's pretty rare.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny. I, I've, you know, dating myself here from the early days of the internet, but I I always kind of look back. I think, you know, I look at like seeing B2B certain categories. So like, say like financial or, or the tech space. I worked a lot in both of those spaces for a long time. And you would see like, how do you get engagement here? You know, even in the early days, how do you get someone excited about, you know, safety solutions or something like that on the web? Or, you know, how do you get someone excited about, you know, their financial portfolio, or something of this nature? And, you know, you'd have a lot of different gimmicks that I think we've seen for a long time in ads. I mean, you'd see, you know, you you look at like Geico selling insurance, right? It's like, you know, here's a good example. You know, you have a a little gecko that everyone's excited about. I think the same thing happened in the early days. And I think now I think what people are doing is, you know, we don't maybe need to be as gimmicky, but we can be direct to the audience that really wants this information. So, I mean, I see this in, in financial firms a lot. They'll maybe jump on YouTube and they're giving you ten minutes of information about you know stock tips or maybe something about your portfolio or something of that nature, which is great information when you're yeah. in that mode to look at it you know but if you're not in that mode then you're gonna bypass that that content mm-hmm. quickly so I think that's kind of the interesting thing they're not as maybe concerned about oh I gotta be everything yeah. for everyone to get that kind of engagement I, I know my audience I'm after my audience I'm gonna make this direct maybe it's not as As, you know, viral, it might not go, you know, get as much press, but it is what we need.
0: Yeah, no, I I think that's true. And I think it's just sort of a different calculus. Like if you are thinking about engagement or or even being entertaining in the B2B space, it's different, different expectations, right? Like people are looking for that stuff not primarily like, Oh, I have five minutes. I want to be entertained. Let me go on LinkedIn and find like, that's just not the place for it. But on the other, but, but there are ways to like, you know, in the podcasting world, which I know best, I'm like, okay, well, how do you make a given like B2B podcast engaging? It's not that you have to be funny or like tell jokes or put on a song and dance, but there is like, if it's a interview podcast, then it's all about the pacing and the production and the liveliness of the conversation. And that kind of thing, you know, it, it's so and, and there can be entertainment value in that or just make something that's like, ooh, I want to keep listening to this. And you can take the same exact content and one way of doing it is really boring. And the other way of doing it is is not is like very entertaining and engaging. And that's, yeah. you know, it's just like different pieces that you're moving to make that happen
1: totally. Yeah, I think one of the things I've found, it's funny you bring that up. It's it's, you know, back and and a lot of B2B companies yeah. still do white papers, but I've noticed that a lot of white papers have turned mm-hmm. into say podcasts or 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 some type of video or something of that nature, which is great because you now have multiple forms yeah. of content that you can get out there to the audience that you need to, but they can hit whatever they want to. You know, maybe they're more engaged with video than they are reading a PDF, you know, mm-hmm. or something of that nature, but but that's what's great about, you know, having these different channels. But I agree with you on, yeah, I mean, depending on the channel, of course, is, is how you're getting that engagement. So you're right. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not going to LinkedIn to find my, probably my my most entertainment, you know, uh viral video of the the day but that's okay that's i'm not there for that so that's what right yeah No, no doubt
0: so okay so to broaden out a little bit what's a marketing trend or a channel or or a strategy that you think has maybe run its course or is like a little overrated
1: yeah boy that's uh (laughs) It's probably the authentic part that we were just talking about. It's probably something there. I think there's a little bit of that. I mean, that's something that I've been looking at a lot lately and and advising on, because I think what's happened is just even recently, I'd say over the past, you know, probably two years in particular, I've had a lot of clients saying, look at what the competition's doing. We got to catch up. We got to make, you know, better Instagram content, better, whatever it is. And, it's sort of just copying. It's sort of saying yeah. they do this kind of, you know, high gloss look. We need to do that high gloss look. And the the question I always ask is why? And, you know, because I'm usually kind of sitting back. I want to kind of yeah. draw in the client. Why do you need to do that? You know, let's kind of calm it down. Why? Why? What's what's the real reason? And usually it comes out with we're feeling behind. We're just very behind. And so I look at it and I say, you're not behind. You can always make good content and get right in front of your audience immediately, but it's also just about your product. How's your product as well? You know, you got to be concentrating on that as well. So there's a, there's a multitude of things, but I think mostly, I think the trend that's probably overrated is probably that mixed with in a weird way. And this probably goes to the opposite question of this is what's underrated is innovation. That's a word that's thrown around a lot right now, but I think what, what, what I look at deeper on that with clients is sort of the lack of innovation or the lack of, of kind of risking a little bit Mm -hmm. to get yourself out there. I think it's um, there's a little bit of a feeling of like, Oh yeah, we're going forward. We're doing all these things. But then you kind of, you know, you take a step back and you look at the landscape of what they're doing and you realize nothing's been done. There's, there's a little more talk. So I think the, the overrated part, I would say is a little bit more, talking about innovation and then actually not doing anything with it. So I think that's, that's the part that's a little bit, I would say it's a concern because that's an area that I play in Mm -hmm. a lot of kind of what's next. And it's, it's, is an area that can get you ahead of your competition very, very fast. And, and also, you know, help you on your, your bottom line. So I think it's something that, you know, a lot of brands I advise on, on that, which is don't just give lip Mm -hmm. service to the innovation, you know, it's, and It's a little bit of an overrated trend, I think, where everyone's saying, I'm I'm innovative, I'm innovative, but then you look behind the scenes and it's not really
0: Yeah. Or or especially like maybe in the way you're articulating your value, you're not being very innovative in that. Like you're using the same jargon and language as everybody else and it gets lost in the mix. And so, you know, the flip side of this question, of course, is what's something that's maybe underrated? And I think we're already kind of gesturing toward it in actually being innovative But then the question then is, well, how do you do that? You know, like, how do you actually come up with something like marketing wise that that is new? And, you know, I've and I was just having a conversation earlier today. Tell me what you think about this. And and the guy was talking to you, I thought made an excellent point that it kind of comes down to like double down on your point of view. You know, like Hmm. if you're any business that's actually having any success has a particular point of view on whatever it is that they're doing, right? Like, and there's a reason why their customers come to them and not their competitors. They have something, True. something that's yeah. unique about what they're doing, something that, you know, what is that? And then how can you double down on that and talk about it in a way that like takes a stand, on whatever the big issues are in your industry. Like, here's what we believe. Not everyone's going to agree with us. You know, there's going to be a segment of people who are like, no, that's wrong. But we have our segment that's like, yeah, that's right. What do you think about that? Like, because that to me kind of seems like, yeah, in a world where everything's been said in one way or the other, but you can still like take a stand and back it up and that sets you apart.
1: Yeah, I actually do agree with that because I do think, I think we're in a world now where there's a little bit of a sea of yeah. sameness going on with kind of mm-hmm. everything, you know? And so, yeah, there's a point of view there that it's almost kind of back in the day of kind of how Steve yeah. Jobs and Apple did it, right? I mean, they just said, this is who we are, take it or leave it, you know? And and it was like, okay, very refreshing yeah. at the time, I think for a lot of people. caused controversy, right? Which is also right. part of the marketing, which is, you know, all kind of calculated into the, into the cake, but I think, I think we've lost a lot of that. I don't think as many brands kind of do that. I think the risk assessment there is a little harder. Obviously, different different climate now as well. So it kind of can cause some trouble. But I think it just depends on on where you're at yeah. as well, right? I mean, what type of brand, if you're a B2B brand, if you're a B2C brand, and then kind of yeah. where you go from there. But I do agree with that in the sense that, you know, stay, take, take a firm stand of, of who you are as a brand. And you definitely can do that. That will help carve out, not just your niche as a brand, but it carves out that you kind of have a tribe now of an audience that's going to follow you. And that's what you want. You want that, that audience to become kind of you know, your, your key influencers for, that kind of do a lot of the heavy lifting for you all the time. So I think that's, that's critical for any brand. I mean, I do think that's really important. I would just say maybe kind of circling back on the, you know not to kind of do the flip-flop of each side, but I would say kind of another thing I think that is overrated I, one thing I left out is I do do a little bit of teaching into uh, universities. So I teach marketing and advertising at different universities here and there. One of the things that I notice a lot, I've been kind of conducting over the past two years, a uh, little survey going on of mm-hmm. kind of the Gen Z crowd of how do they feel about, you know, brands that are claiming they stand mm-hmm. up for something, be it like, you know, a shoe company that gives away a pair of shoes to a poor person mm-hmm. every time you buy their shoes. And, you know, the millennials, I mean, I hate to talk about it kind of in that larger group because there's so much you know nuance to that. But for sake of conversation, you know, you kind of look at it and a lot of the a lot of the students I teach are in the Gen Z kind of era. A lot of them don't care. That's that's what I kind of have found. And this is about a thousand, at least a thousand students that I've pulled. A lot of them look at it and they just say, it doesn't really matter to me as much. Where I think in previous times it really mattered. It, it This matters that this company is doing x you know and standing up for something and i think one of the reasons that i've seen their their answering of why is that the brands have gotten too into that have gotten away from making a a really solid product and so they get the product and they're not as happy with it because it's not as good Hmm. but you know it did give a pair of shoes to somebody or something whatever it is so i think i think for them i you know that's been the common kind of feedback I've gotten. So that's kind yeah. of an interesting one that I've advised brands lately to do, which is, I think it's important to show you're doing good, but don't make that the core part mm. of your brand because you could lose the essence of maybe who you are. And, and that cannot be just your point of view because a lot of people are doing yeah. that. So it's sort of what else is Wow. There that's
0: really interesting. Do? Cause I, I think the assumption has been, or at least the stereotype has been like, oh yeah, Gen Z or Y or whatever the letter is that we're on now is like, yeah, Yeah. they they mainly care about that. You're like the big why, like your purpose and doing good in the world. And I'm sure they do care about that, but maybe not so much as specifically tied to a brand as we all, as we've been assuming.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, that's what I've been seeing a lot, you know, just from, from, you know, again, it's, it's, it's not just you yeah. know, talking to two or three people. I've been doing it for a couple of years just to kind mm. of see you know, if that those layers are true or not. It's been about, yeah, it's yeah. about a thousand people polled in, in that age group. It's been interesting. I mean, I think it's important, but it's not in their like top three things. Yeah, why they choose that's a pretty
0: good sample size. And I mean, you know, over the last year, we really saw this in action with Black Lives Matter, right? It became like true. all of a sudden yeah. for, you know, for reasons we all know, like, okay, you have to have that message on your website and to the point where even if you didn't you could get some pressure like why aren't you doing that you know and it 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 yeah. that was really interesting to observe because at what point does and I think this goes back to the authenticity discussion like at what point does it just become a thing that you are doing because you have to do it and it's so obvious that that's the case like you know, it's just yeah. the, the latest cause that we now all have to support. And so, okay, we throw up the the thing there and we make a statement about diversity or something. Like, I'm I'm Gen X for whatever that's worth, and that just yeah, always struck same. me as like, lame. come on, you know, this is a for profit business. Like, yeah. they not only do I not really care. You know, if they are supporting this cause or another, but frankly, is that even good business practice? Like, there's a lot of people who maybe don't agree with that. I, I, I don't know. It that struck me as like very inauthentic yeah. most of the time.
1: Yeah, I think I think there's there's been kind of a pendulum shift to a backlash yeah. of that lately. I think for a lot of brands, I think a lot of the audiences has seen that for whatever cause it may be. I think people look at it and say you know, does this brand really feel this way? Are they just doing this and kind of using me? It feels like you're kind of being used as a, as a consumer and, you know, no consumer wants to feel that way. Right. I mean, you just do not want to feel that way in, in any case. And I think from the brand's point of view, yeah. I mean, depending on what, what side you pick and those things you could hurt half your audience that's that you're after the other half will love you. The other half will not now. So now you're kind of hurting your brand altogether. So it's tough. I mean, it's a, it's a, a sticky situation because of, you know, yeah. depending on whatever it is in that's going on culturally, but, but it, it's one of those things. that's funny. A lot of brands have leaned into so much what's happening in the culture yeah. all the time that I think even yeah. that has become a little, little deaf, uh, you know, tone deaf to, to the, the right. audience. I think people see yeah. things now and they're like, eh, you know, that was funny or that was, that was uh, a cool trend. But now it's not so much, or or if it's something that's that's you know culturally significant, it's it's like ah, it doesn't that doesn't really ring true to to us manufactured that feels, right you know, or like, like by the
0: time it. any like yeah. corporation or brand is onto it, it's already too late. You know, it's it's like like I'm thinking, yeah. you know, remember yeah. that that infamous Pepsi commercial with Kendall Jenner? You know, that was all about like police and and cultural diversity and stuff. Yeah. And I'm sure internally they thought like we're on the cutting edge and we're going to, and it was just so bad. And they got such blowback. Like that's one of the classic all time cases of don't do that. Totally. It's going to blow up in your face. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think they, I think, you know, from their point of view, it was probably like, we have the perfect influencer here. We have the perfect, you know, music going. We have the perfect everything. And it just, you know, it just was really, yeah, it was bad. (laughs) That was, that's a notoriously bad one for sure. I use that in classes when I teach actually. Yeah. I usually show them. It's like it's I'm surprised it's hard to find that ad still sometimes. It's like they yeah, I, mean, I think they right. want to they pull
0: that down I'm sure. So, it was so bad that you know. I remember SNL yeah. actually did a pretty funny sketch about it. Like it was that famously bad <laughs> yes. pretty pretty hilarious, yeah. but anyway. All right, well man, I we could just keep on talking. This is so interesting, but I'm I'm on the way to you go. Yeah. So, Joe, thanks so much for a really awesome conversation.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's been great. really appreciate it.
0: That's it for this episode of Engage Your Tribe. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. You know you want to. If you're a marketer or an internal communicator and you're interested in podcasting, we've got tons of free resources on the website at tribknowledge.com. That's T-R-I-B knowledge dot com. Thanks for listening and staying engaged.